Everybody, welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. We're really glad that you guys are here to uh, worship uh, with us. I appreciate John Rickert uh, speaking last week for me. We were on vacation uh, in Morro Bay uh, on the Central Coast, and it was a great time as a, as a family. But it's really good to be back uh, with all of you. And we're wrapping up our series that we've been speaking on the last about six weeks. And we've been talking about relationships at the box office. And there's a blend there because we've been looking at some of the summer movies that are being released and what those movies have to say about relationships. Specific, what are the problems that movies tend to deal with as we try to relate to each other and how do the movies solve them? And our goal in the series is to kind of talk about themes, not specific movies per se, but talk about specific themes found in the movies and then really kind of tie in our own experience, but then ultimately ask the question, how, how does this actually align with how God views the relationship in this instance. So as we encounter this problem or we encounter this conflict, what does God's word say about how we actually deal with that? And we've been looking specific on the way that we treat and relate to people. And relationships are complex. Uh, There's no denying that. That's why when we watch movies, so many times we're gripped by not just maybe a problem that they have, but the relationships that they have and the different nuances of that. And so our goal has been, what does the Bible have to say and how can we actually take some of the messages from the movies and ask the question, well, how does that line up with God's view of how things actually work? And so we're wrapping up today talking about the theme of unfaithfulness, which is a just like the other movies we've been looking at. It's a, it's a common theme found in movies, and it's also a common problem that we experience in our relationships. And we're going to be talking uh, specific about the Bourne franchise this morning. And um, if you've not ever watched a Bourne movie, there's a trilogy of them that came out about 10 years ago at different times. And then there was a fourth movie. And then at the end of July, there's the fourth installment uh, of kind of continuation of the original three. The reason I can't talk specific about that movie, which is just called Jason Bourne, is it's not released until next weekend. So I haven't seen it and, and you haven't seen it. But I do intend to see it. I am a big Jason Bourne fan. Uh, These are high octane action movies. But there is this theme throughout all the franchise of this unfaithfulness. And so I want to kind of start there talking about unfaithfulness, talk a little bit about the movie. We'll show the trailer and then I'm going to talk about what that means for us. And so just to get on the same page, what is this idea of, of unfaithfulness and And how does that kind of show up in our lives? So I want to look at the dictionary to to begin our time. Uh, What exactly does it mean? And so Webster's Dictionary says unfaithful is not observant of promises, vows, allegiance or duty. It's violating a trust or confidence, treacherous, perfidious as an unfaithful subject, an unfaithful husband or wife, an unfaithful servant, an unfaithful bailee or agent. And the second nuance to that is not performing the proper duty. And so there's this assumption with the idea of unfaithfulness that there's a duty that we have to one another as we relate. And in any relationships, there's kind of this duty, a responsibility that we have to each other. And when you're unfaithful, you're not performing that duty. You're not handling your responsibility or what you necessarily owe somebody else. And this comes out in direct relationships that we have and indirect relationships that we have. We relate to people all the time that we have a certain duty to. So we have a friend 
that we relate to. We all have friends and the, the friendship is based on mutual trust. And when you're an unfaithful friend, there's a trust that has been broken. It's the same in marriage. It's the same with your kids. There's this goodwill and there's a commitment that you make to each other in your closest relationships. But faithfulness is also a part of indirect relationships, but maybe people that you don't relate to every day, but there's a relationship that exists. Like we rent a house in Alhambra. I have a relationship with the landlord, which is I have to pay him the money for the rent. That's part of my commitment. If I don't pay that, then I'm being unfaithful and trust is broken because now he can't count on me to pay our rent. And he has a relationship to me, which is as the landlord, there's certain things that he needs to help take care of so that we can live there and therefore pay the rent. And this relationship works. This happens on small scales, big scales, every relationship. There's this duty that we have to one another. Sometimes it's deeply important. Sometimes it's just something that we owe somebody. But this idea of faithfulness exists in all our relationships, and it's built on this common trust that we have. So unfaithfulness is when that actually breaks down, when trust in a relationship erodes. And that's a a problem that exists in all of our relationships. But this idea of genuine trust is so important. And the Bourne movies that we're talking about today, and this theme, this overarching theme of unfaithfulness, only makes sense as we look at what trust really is. And so trust in any relationship is crucial, as, as we know. Uh, we, we've experienced that at a really young age. There's these relationships we have with people. And when we're looking out for them and when they're looking out for us, things go well. When they're not looking out for us and we're not looking out for them, things don't go well. That, we experience that on the playground, young as, you know, as kids. And as we grow into adulthood, relationships get more complex. We can get hurt more. We can experience pain. But trust is built on three main things. And I want to explain this because unfaithfulness is connected to kind of the breakdown of of all of this. And so there's three main factors in trust. First is competence. This is part of the duty that I have as I relate to people. There's a competence that I have the resources and the strength to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm not just giving out words. I'm, I'm going to actually follow through with what I've said, which is. The second part of trust, which is integrity. So do I follow through with what I do and what I say? So is there integrity to to what I say in my relationships to people? And then the third is there's genuine concern that has to exist as well for trust to be real. Genuine concern is, do you have the other person's interests at heart? Are you concerned with someone else's welfare? So you can't have trust without competence. You can't have it without integrity and you can't have it without a genuine concern for somebody else. In a moment, I'm going to play the trailer for the Bourne movie. And as you look at Hollywood, you look at movies. So many times things are kind of to the extreme and you see chaos and you see problems and you see relationships and you see sparks, all sorts of issues. And then at the end of a movie, usually it's solved. At the end of 90 minutes, there's been a problem developed, the story's unfolding, and then at the end of the movie, it's solved. The problem is over, the hero usually has won, and we go on with our lives. But in relationships, this idea of unfaithfulness and when trust is broken, it's usually not solved in 90 minutes. It takes a lot of time to build trust. Trust can be broken in an instant. 
And it takes a lot of time to rebuild trust. And so in the Bourne movies, which I'm going to talk about, uh, it follows the character of, of Jason Bourne. And he's a part of the CIA operative program, which are like basically trained assassins. There's problems in the world and they're sent to take care of problems. What happens in the movie is that things start to go awry. These trained assassins aren't just robots that they've been trained to do. They actually are people that can make their own choices and chaos ensues. And the government's involved in this process of trying to figure out how do we deal with this issue of all these trained assassins when they no longer do what we want them to do. And so in each movie, it uh, follows the character of Jason Bourne, who tries to figure out his identity, where he's come from, why he does what he does, how come he has these memories, the problems that he's encountered, the harm that he's done, and then why that's happened to him. And, and he's just trying to kind of figure this out. And so as we trace these movies throughout the franchise, you see this, this just thing that the government has done to him, all the problems and chaos that's erupted in his life, and then how he's going to solve that. So, again, it's, it's great movie material because there's like bad guys and fighting and car chases and the plot's actually good, too. You don't always have that. But there's all that that exists. And so when you watch like movies like Born, you're like, man, his life is chaotic. It's crazy. And there's a sense in which it's like there's relief when the movie's over. You ever watch such an intense movie that when it's done, you cut, like your neck is like kind of tight. But you're like, that was awesome. I'm glad I paid for like needing a chiropractor now. Like, right. You watch stressful movies and you're kind of like overwhelmed at the end of it. Like you're tired just from all that you've seen and experienced. That's like what the Bourne does. It's just I call it the Bourne effect. That's the fifth movie coming out two years. The Bourne effect, just what it does to your shoulders and intensity. And like we, we like that. But sometimes we can kind of like just disregard the themes brought up because of its extremity. You know, it's. We don't face that. We're not born. But there's ways that we experience some of the unfaithfulness that the born character did uh, in subtle ways in our relationships. And so if integrity, competence and keeping our word is what trust is built on, well, here's some of the ways that trust is actually broken. And I want to talk about this because this is where you and I are. We're not Jason Bourne. But this is where we are. So we've been unfaithful in times uh, by being inconsiderate. That's a key way that unfaithfulness plays itself out. It's just being inconsiderate to someone else. You have a plan. I have a plan. And most of the time, my plan and your plan is best for us. Right? That's what makes it my plan and not your plan. My plan looks out for me. But oftentimes, if you plan your day or you live your life and you plan your schedule and what you want to have, have happen and your own goals, if you are the most important piece in your world, There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be impacted by the choices that you make. And when we're inconsiderate in our relationships over time, trust erodes. Because people are treated in a certain way when you're just looking out for yourself. Another subtle way that this happens is by just not keeping our word. Trust breaks down and unfaithfulness kind of creeps in relationships where we say something, but we don't do it. It's like we like the idea of what we're saying more than the actual follow through of what we're saying. And we learn that from a young age, like we have parents and they relate to us. And at a young age, we know, okay, here's what I need to say to not be in trouble. But when it comes down to it, all we're doing is just saying the words that we think people want to hear. And we actually move from childhood many times into adulthood and we can do this 
in every facet of life. We say it to a friend, but we're not actually going to do what we say. We say it to a boss. We're not actually going to do what we say. That erodes trust. And the third is we actually erode trust by making bad decisions. And that's just kind of built on the idea of sometimes being inconsiderate. Because sometimes we decide we want to do something, and it's actually not a good choice. And it could be in small life decisions, it could be in big life decisions, but we just make a decision, and it actually is a bad decision, and it impacts all those around us. There's a cost to what we do. And when that cost is leveraged on people that we relate to, they're experiencing that. And it costs them as well. So over time, if our decisions lay this leverage of cost on people, and if we don't follow through with what we say, and we don't keep our word, and if we're not considerate, all this over time leads to us being an unfaithful person, not performing our duty. And this, this leads to a lot of problems. And so in the scriptures, this idea of faithfulness is something that's spoken about a lot, being a faithful person, being a faithful friend, being a faithful spouse, being a faithful worker again and again in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, this idea of faithfulness is mentioned again and again and again. The reason is, is unfaithfulness, what we've been talking about, is so detrimental to relationships and to our life. In fact, the scripture puts faithfulness as something that's very rare. And you find that in Proverbs 26 and it says this many a man proclaims his own steadfast love but a faithful man who can find there's this idea that many of us want to say what we're going to do and sometimes want to say how good we are but a faithful man who can find it's speaking to the rarity of a faithful person I'm at the age and stage with my kids where they want to play hide and seek and they still want to include me, you know, so I'm trying to play it with them and we play hide and seek. And it's like you count to 30 and we just play around our house. And sometimes the kids get in such a good spot where I'm looking for a while and I'm like really looking and I can't find them. And sometimes they're like inside watching TV and I thought the game is still going or sometimes they're in a car. Or sometimes they're just in this place that we've never, ever hid before. And I can't find them. And then at the end of the time where I thought I've looked enough and everyone else has been found except for that one person, you kind of call and you're like, I can't, I can't find you. So come out. It's like, all right, let's move on. We can't keep looking. It's dinner. And then that person comes out. And the scriptures are saying is a faithful person is like somebody that hides in a spot in which you can't see it. It's, it's very hard to find them. And it's the same in, in this category of life. Somebody that actually is considerate, somebody that actually follows through with what they say. And somebody that learns from their decisions is, is rare. But that's the kind of people that God wants us to be. He wants us to be faithful people. Not only does that strengthen our relationships, but it actually leads to a good life. And so in the, the Born franchise, it brings up this idea of what happens when people... Just look out for their own interests. What happens when people have been double crossed? What happens when people have been wronged? What happens when people have been just experienced greatest loss at the hands of somebody else? What happens when things have been destroyed? Things have been broken in life and in relationships. And so the born 
franchise is looking at, what do you do when your world falls apart? And what do you do when you've experienced unfaithfulness being directed at you and you yourself have been unfaithful, which the born character has done? So let's look at the at the trailer and then we'll kind of relax a little bit after it and then we'll move on. I know who I am. I remember. I remember everything. Remembering everything doesn't mean you know everything. Tell me. You've just been hacked. Could be worse than Snowden. Facial recognition got a hit. That's Jason Bourne. Why would it come back now? There's a demonstration in front of the Greek Parliament building. I think she'll use it as cover. They tracked you. We gotta move. He knows things. What if he's not coming for us? What if it's something else? I volunteered because of a lie. This is Jason Bourne. I need to talk. 32 kills. People are safer because of what you did. interesting line you'll never find any peace until you admit who you are so in the midst of this brokenness there's this assumption that your your identity is wrapped up in what you were created to do and your identity is wrapped up in what you've done and what's been done to you and so what these movies do is they create this kind of canvas for which we learn about the world and that's why sometimes when you look at media, it's so interesting to dissect it. But if you look at the world of Jason Bourne throughout the whole franchise, there's some common themes that, that kind of arise. One of them is only the strong survive. When your world has been taken from you and everything you've experienced has been taken away, you kind of overcome that by strength. Your strength is your survival. That's it. Um, stressful, there's loss, there's pain, fighting, hopeless, wreckage. Uh, never ends. The, the problems never end. They're never fully solved. And nothing is, is restored. 
So it's very interesting and very telling. One of the reasons that Matt Damon wanted to come back to this series is he actually thought that the movies represent a lot of what is happening in our world. What's very interesting, as you look at the events of the last few weeks and just 2016 as well, there's been so much destruction, so much loss of life, so many things stripped from people that have just experienced this, just trust has been broken on a big scale. And so this, this is a real summary of life. Only the strong will survive. But that actually can't be it. Because the issue that we find in the problems in our world, and it's the same issues that you see in the movie, is that strength does not solve the problems. Because when there's wreckage, strength oftentimes only leads to more wreckage. Because when somebody powers up over you and then you power up over them, what are they going to do? They're going to return and return and reciprocate and reciprocate. So strength only leads to more strength. But it's not the type of strength that's actually helpful. It's the strength where I'm going to do to you what you've done to me. And it doesn't actually help us deal with the problems that we face when trust has been broken on a big scale and in a small scale. And over the course of this series, each of those things we've been talking about, we've been calling them relationship killers. Things that if we live by in our life over time, it will take the life out of our relationships. There will be no good left in them. And so here's the facets, just as a review. Here's the facets of unfaithfulness. Pride, lying and hiding from people, poor communication, manipulation, and selfishness. Each of the movies we've talked about over the last few weeks has dealt with one of these. And each of these are common to us. And our goal has been just to kind of get on the same page together and in a way recognize that we deal with these. We deal with these on a regular basis, sometimes daily. We deal with these. But all of these are facets of unfaithfulness. These are ways that we break and violate trust when we do this. So sometimes our relationships over time, they're just hanging by a thread. There's no substance because there's no trust. Trust is like the foundation. When there's no trust, you're just kind of standing on broken ground. It's very unstable. So this is what our goal has been. Like, let's, let's just look at the problems that we experience. Common problems that even the movies talk about. And then what, where does that leave us? Well, as you look at all these issues of unfaithfulness, it leads us in two places amongst the wreckage in our relationships. So what are the consequences of being unfaithful? Like over time, where does that lead us if we don't keep our word, if we're inconsiderate, if we don't look out for the other person, if we lack integrity, where does that lead us? Like where's the path? Well, like most things, we're both victims and perpetrators of unfaithfulness. What I mean is, we have been unfaithful people, each of us. We've done things that have violated trust with somebody else. And at the same time, we've experienced that done to us. To Jason Bourne, it was the same way. Part of the struggle of all the movies are coming to grips of what was done to him 
by the government at the same time what he has done to others. And he really wrestles with that. And that is actually the same wrestling that we have in our own life. We go from one extreme to the other. And I know I do. There's times where I look at what people have done to me and I can't let it go. And then there's times where I do the same thing to other people and I can't let that go and I just beat myself up. And oftentimes we kind of go from one extreme to the other. One side of the ditch to the other side of the ditch. And that's how we just drive. We're just driving, swerving. That's how life can feel. Just we're like, don't know how, like where the middle ground is. But when we're victims of unfaithfulness, our our life tends to shrink up if we respond a certain way. Uh, When people violate our trust, and there's times when actually people are unfaithful to us. And in marriage, that's serious. And certainly in a message, I can't talk about the real issues, the deep issues of unfaithfulness, whether it's in marriage or in abuse. And these are real problems. But in a message, I can't really talk about how you deal with that because it's something that takes so much time to unravel. But even in that, there is hope. And I'm going to talk about what that is in a moment. But when you're a victim of unfaithfulness, your, your life shrinks up. And what I mean by that is when things are done to you by other people that violate your trust, if you respond in a way to kind of wall them off, and walling them off is, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm not going to let you do that to me again. I'm done with you. We may not say that verbally, but sometimes we can do that emotionally. Where they've wronged us and it, it's really bothered us and we just want to forget you. That's what we want to say. We just forget them. And we treat them like they're no longer really a part of our lives. Well, over time, if you do this to everyone that breaks trust with you, you your life becomes very small. Because we all mess up. And so if we're victims of unfaithfulness and we respond in that way, our, our life tends to shrink. If we're a perpetrator, if, if we've been an unfaithful person and we've broken trust with somebody else. Then our life ends up being a lot of shame and hardening. Shame oftentimes is something we experience, but we don't know how to, to verbalize. But shame to me is something when you've done something and in your head, you just are beating yourself up. And you ask yourself, like, why did I do that? Why did I do that again? Why am I still here? Why am I still dealing with that same issue? Or maybe you've messed up with somebody that you care about and you lied and you've lied before. Or you didn't take care of something and you've not taken care of something before. And there's this this pattern of you go to that person and you're just... I've blown it again. There's shame involved because you just you don't want to blow it anymore. And then what leads to is the hardening, which is they're keeping score, I'm sure, of how much I'm messing up. So it's easier if I just don't relate to them anymore. Because they have the scorecard and I don't like what it says and it's I'm negative and they're positive. And that can harden our relationships as well. So we're in this same boat together where we both had people break trust with us and we have done it to others. This is a serious issue that if we just let life go by and not actually deal with it in the right way, it can lead to a lot of pain. And not only that, it actually prevents us from experiencing the life that God wants us to experience. 
So I want to turn the corner and talk about how we deal with it. I know one way that we can't, and that is strength and self-reliance do not take away the pain or regret that we've experienced. If we've ever had a broken relationship, just choosing more strength or relying on ourselves doesn't deal with the core problem. Because if that was the case, then our relationships would be great. There actually would be so many less problems because this is the natural tendency we all have. Be stronger, rely on myself more. Because when I relied on you, you let me down. So I'm just going to take care of it. I just want to pause there. Have you ever just related to somebody and in your heart or even out loud, you've said, I'll just take care of it. I'm just going to do it. I know I have. A lot of times what I'm saying is, You've let me down. I don't need you anymore. I'm just going to do it. Now, sometimes there's times like at work, if there's a project that's due, it needs to be done. And you may need to take care of it. But when this gets into the emotions and the way that we relate to people, this doesn't deal with the issue. So I want to kind of turn the corner and talk about how the wreckage can be repaired. And here's what the scriptures say. Jesus came to restore our relationship with God and provide the power we need to change. We're victims and we're perpetrators. We've been guilty and we've been innocent. But in the scriptures, we're actually unfaithful first because of what we did to God. And that is we've chosen to go our own way. Every single one of us have chosen to sin. We have. We've decided that our way and our independence is more important than following God's way. Oftentimes we choose strength and self-reliance over choosing to do things God's way. That's the rebellion that we all experience. What we find in the scripture is that despite our sin and our self-reliance, despite our own rebellion, Jesus came for me and Jesus came for you. And he came for the whole world. The reason that's so important is when you look at the kind of this idea of unfaithfulness, we're all in the same spot, which is we mess up all the time and people mess up to us all the time. So we can't rely on ourselves and we can't rely on each other. We need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And the scriptures speak to this, why Jesus came and Romans 5 says this, Romans 5, 7 through 9. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What the scriptures have a way of doing is everyone's on the same page. There's no difference between you and me at our core in our souls. And the scriptures are saying, you are a sinner and I am a sinner. You've been unfaithful and I've been unfaithful. And it began with that to God. We did that to God first. But God, instead of retaliating upon us, instead of cutting us off or ending our life or choosing strength, he actually sacrificed 
his son for me and for you. He did the opposite. Instead of strength, he he sacrificed. So that while we were still sinners, he died. And when Jesus Christ died for us, he took our unfaithfulness. And when Jesus died, he took the unfaithfulness of all the people that have hurt us. And all the bad decisions that we've made and all the regret and the shame that we experienced. Jesus Christ took that and laid it on the cross. The message is a paraphrase of the scriptures and it says this, the same verse. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. While we were of no use, whatever to him. We were unfaithful. And we actually did not perform our duty to God. We looked out for ourselves. We wanted our way. Instead of writing us off, Jesus sent his son. And when we sing songs about the sacrifice of Jesus... It's so easy to forget all that was in that moment in history. It took the victim things that we've experienced, the perpetrating, all the things that we've done wrong and all the wrong that's been done to us. And Jesus Christ took that upon himself to make it right. Now, if you're like me, you hear this and sometimes it doesn't take away the sting or the frustration or the shame. But over time, you have to get to this point where you continually get back to realizing it's only through Jesus Christ that my unfaithfulness can be dealt with. And it's only through Jesus Christ that I can forgive the people that are unfaithful to me. Because his power is what is needed, not not my own. So I want to talk a little bit about what that means for us practically in, in, in our relationship. So here's how you can repair the damage. If, if Jesus Christ sacrifice on the cross gives us the power to change. And if that can actually give us hope, despite what we've done or what's been done to us, well, what does that look like? There's two key things, love and faithfulness, love and faithfulness are the keys to rebuilding trust. And Proverbs 16, six Builds on what I just read in Romans by steadfast love and faithfulness iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. The atonement is speaking there of the payment. And for any payment, there's cost. And the cost here is talking about our sin. In a general way, it's, it's our unfaithfulness. And so by love and faithfulness, that was the cost. But the payment was made through Jesus Christ. That was the atonement. So the iniquity is atoned for. It means it's been paid. It's been wiped clean. That which was a debt is now gone. And it happens through love and faithfulness, through the sending of Jesus Christ. But then the second part of that actually turns to action. But by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. That is... Because God has been loving and faithful to me and he's forgiven me of my sins, I now have a responsibility to act how he wants me to act, to live life according to him, not my own way, 
and to treat people how he wants me to treat them. And that's why at Church in the Valley, we spend so much time looking at what the scripture says for us in how we live our life. Because that's what the fear of the Lord is. How we take God seriously in every facet of life. And so this kind of falls into the two areas. If you've been a victim or if you've been a perpetrator. So if you have caused the damage of unfaithfulness, the scripture saying here is to be faithful and loving. Because those are the two keys. You be faithful and loving. The key, though, is if you've broken trust, you have to be faithful. That's the priority. And Acts 24, 16 says this. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. A faithful person is always considering, have I done right to God first? That's fear of the Lord. And then have I treated people the way that he wants me to treat them? And the answer is, in any given day, probably not. I mean, I drive into work, and sometimes even the way I drive into work, I'm, I'm already messed up. I've already been mad, impatient, thought the wrong thoughts on my way to work. By the time I eat, my days even start, I'm already in a bad way. But this idea of a clear conscience is you constantly allow God Take a look at what's going on inside your heart and in your mind and you make it right. And so part of how you make it right and have a clear conscience is if you've broken trust, you have to take responsibility for what you've done. If you've done something to someone and you've broken trust, you have to admit it. You just have to admit it. Choose humility. Don't blame them. Take responsibility. The second is you have to ask for forgiveness. It's how you have a clear conscience. I have messed up and I've wronged you. Will you forgive me? You just humble yourself and you ask for it. And the third is set out to show this love and faithfulness over time. If you've blown it by how you've treated somebody, you have to admit you've blown it. You have to ask for forgiveness for blowing it. And then you have to realize that it's going to take time for me to rebuild this trust. There's no quick fix. The Born movie in 90 minutes, it wasn't solved. So they made a second movie. It wasn't solved. They made a third. So did you get the sense of there's multiple movies that not even solved then. In life, though, this extends over years sometimes. You always get to the point where you have to admit you've messed up. You have to ask forgiveness. And then you begin to, to do what you say. You begin to have integrity. You begin to consider all those things that, that we've talked about. Second part, if, if this has been done to you, someone's broken trust with you, if you've been hurt, be loving and faithful. See, when you've done it, you have to build faithfulness. But when it's been done to you, you actually have to choose love. And that is a representation of Christ's love, which doesn't keep score. It's very easy to keep score in our relationships. Like, I've done this for you, that's one point. You did this for me, you have one point. We're tied. But if you do wrong, that one point's gone. You're zero. But if you really tick me off, you're negative. We do that all the time. We don't say it. Sometimes we don't even realize it. But it's in our attitude towards people. Even the people that we love dearly. We tend to keep score. But love in the scriptures is always based on Christ's love. 
which doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't mean that we forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget because we actually, a lot of times, we, we don't. We will remember. But it means that we're not going to hold it against that person. And oftentimes when we keep score, we're, that's what we're doing. We're holding it against them. Forgiveness is I'm not going to make you pay again and again for something that I've forgiven you for. That's what that means. So 1 Peter 4.8, it says this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers over a multitude of unfaithful choices. Why? Because that's what Christ's love did for us. It's not a feeling. It's an action based on sacrifice. Like I'm going to love you because Christ loved me. And I want to close with this verse in, in Ephesians, which kind of sums up this, this battle. So I hope you hear me. This, this is not something that you can just solve quickly. It's a battle that we have to be really honest with our own intentions. But Ephesians 4 talks about it. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So it's saying, here's the things that are going to go on inside of you as you relate to people. You're going to get mad. You're going to want to fight. You want to raise your voice. You're going to want to harbor envy and bitterness towards them. You're going to want to keep score. All this we can do on a daily basis. But then it says, but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we've been unfaithful. We need to be faithful and loving. When someone's been unfaithful to us, we need to be loving and faithful. Not because of all that we can do, because again, our strength and self-reliance doesn't help us. But it's that last part. Because Christ has forgiven us. And on the cross, the penalty of our sin was our unfaithfulness. And so he forgave us of that. And he wiped it clean. So I want to encourage you. We all have different relationships, some of which, if we were to take an inventory, we're thinking they're pretty good. Some of which they might be a little rocky right now. They might be kind of stressed they may be kind of thinned out in the relationships like on rocky ground. Wherever you are, I encourage you, take the time to kind of think through where you are. The patterns of your relating to the other person in light of the whole series, in light of what we talked about today. And just ask God to show you, is there some things or are there some patterns that you have that God wants you to work on specific to becoming a faithful person, a faithful friend, a faithful spouse, a faithful employee, a faithful boss, a faithful roommate, a faithful student, whatever that may be. And as you think about that, I, I want to encourage you to take some next steps. And Ben had you fill out that connection card and I'm going to invite the band up, finish filling out that connection card. But on there is some next steps that you can take. It's also on your handout that you can apply what we've talked about today to your own life. Again, applying this is the key because that's where we experience change. So if you've never committed your life to follow Christ, you have this burden of guilt on you that you cannot carry for the rest of your life. If you never decide to follow Jesus, part of what that means is I'm going to lift this burden and I'm going to actually give it to him. 
And I, I want to encourage you, if you never decided to follow Christ, you, you can make that decision today. If you check that, we'll follow up with you and we'll help you know what, what that means. And the second is ask God to show you if there's any patterns of unfaithfulness with you and somebody else. And it may be that, you know, you need to take some steps to be faithful. And I, I wrote it on there. that's keeping your word, being a giver, not just a taker, uh, or it may be something else God's kind of shown you. And then the last is forgive somebody that you're harboring bitterness towards and choose to love them by. Like, what are some ways that you could actually love them? Is it by cutting them slack or thinking the best, not the worst, or uh, just choosing humility as you relate to them. So I encourage you to kind of think about this, decide to take a next step, and then we're going to receive our offering and you can drop that in there as it comes by. Let's pray together. God, first of all, I just thank you for the tremendous gift of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us that despite our unfaithfulness to you and to those in our life, we can actually still have hope because you've forgiven us and you've actually paid the debt of our sin. And so we can be made clean and we can be made whole. And so thank you for that. God, if we're unfaithful in any way, just in our relationships with somebody where we're just not keeping our word and when we're being inconsiderate, if we're making bad decisions, God, show us, help us to make it right, to clear it up, to ask for forgiveness. And then if, If we're just bitter and somebody's done something to us, God, help us to love that person, to forgive them, to make it right if it needs to be made right. God, help us to be people that see the issues that we need to deal with and actually deal with them. And we need your help to do that. We need your grace. And ultimately, we need your humility. So we ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.